welcome back to another episode of Starve the Ego, Feed the Soul. I am your host, Nico Barraza, and as always, I so much appreciate you being here. I want to start off with the pitch to all of you that if you've listened to the podcast a ton, if you're new here, if you're getting stuff out of it, um, I just set up a donor box for people to donate. I really would love to make this more of a full-time thing. I put in nearly 10 to 20 hours a week editing episodes, scheduling guests, having conversations to give to you all. And I've been doing this for you know no monetary um, reciprocation at all because I'm very passionate about it. But I also would love to monetize it to be able to do this more and to devote more time to that. So I'm not going to, you know, pitch it too much to you guys. If you're interested in helping out, I'm going to put a link to my donor box for the show. In the show notes, you can make a one-time donation. You can make a monthly contribution, whether it's five bucks, 10 bucks, whatever you can afford. If you can afford something, um, that really helps me out. And I really appreciate you doing that. Um, If you can't make a monetary donation and you haven't left us a five-star written review on Apple, that is a way you can give back that absolutely takes no money at all. It takes a couple seconds, but it really helps raise the show um, uh, with reviews and, and gets us put on, you know, larger scale of audiences so people can see the content I'm putting out and hopefully, you know, find value and find, you know, healing growth in it. Uh, hopefully like you're, you're doing. Um, so I'd really appreciate you if you would leave us a review and then also follow along, subscribe on both Apple and Spotify. So I'm super excited about this week's guest. I have been wanting to get a sex therapist on the show for a while now. And this woman has been recommended to Uh, to me by so many people online. And after following her for a couple months, I really wanted to have her on as a guest. And I'm so happy that she agreed to come on the show and share an hour with us. So this week we have Jamie Elizabeth Thompson. Jamie is a holistic sex and intimacy coach. After 15 years serving the field of transformation and studying modalities from tantra and sexual arts to somatic psychology and embodiment, natural law to neuroscience, Jamie Elizabeth Thompson has developed a holistic body of work to support women, men, and couples with letting go of limiting patterns around sex so they can have a fulfilling, intimate life and taste their most exquisite, exotic expressions. She is a radical contributor to the field of sex education and pioneering original and lasting solutions for challenges in sex and intimacy. Jamie is the founder of Awakened Woman, I'll throw a link to that in the description, a curriculum and community for women to reconnect with their feminine sensuality and power and turn on their orgasmic potential. Hundreds of women have attended her group courses and attended her retreats. Fun fact, Jamie also teaches lap dancing. My conversation with Jamie is incredible and I think you guys are going to get so much out of it. I ask her a host of different questions, but specifically we focus on sort of three main areas and she gives us a little background on how she got into the work she does as most of our guests do. But the three things we focus on primarily, and we we go you know on tangents, of course, which I find very valuable as well. But we had a, a pre-call, um, as I do with all my guests, before we get into the interview. And on that pre-call, Jamie and I discussed, like, I think the main things that people struggle with around intimacy or around you know shame or guilt around sexuality. And we wanted to focus on you know sort of these three main talking points. And so the first one is porn and its effects on sexuality, sex, intimacy, and relationships. And the differences between men and women as far as porn use and porn addiction goes. And then number two, we talk about finding your true desires, um, which require attention and sensitivity. And so this is sort of an idea that Jamie breaks down um, and she talks about getting in your body and getting in your true desires, which I I found incredibly powerful. So we talk about that as sort of the second point. And the third point is maintaining intimacy and sexual desire in a long-term relationship. Now, this is something I've really been curious about. I think everyone is curious about this, right? Like after X amount of years, we could be with the most amazing partner ever and we reach a monotonous state, right? It's like eating the same ice cream over and over again. You know, it's our favorite ice cream, but after five to 10 years, at some point we stop getting as much gratification because, you know, dopamine doesn't release as much because it's not novel. It's not new. And that's why. I think a lot of people, you know, end up strain or there's sort of that um, excitement of, of flirting with a new person, right? And and they, they would do these unhealthy things like like cheating or um, like, uh, you know, uh, emotional cheating or online flirting or, or we drift in those ways or, or we get lost in, in pornography or these other things or we're avoiding intimacy or building stuff with our partners, right? And not to throw any shame on any of those things, but I think it is really healthy when 
we ask the question, how do we maintain sexual intimacy and desire and pleasure with a long-term partner? That's something I think if you're monogamous or if you have long-term partnerships that, you know, you're probably asking and wanting to know the answers to and focusing on. And this is something uh, I asked Jamie and posed the question to her and she goes um, in depth on, you know, her perspective on how best to approach this. And obviously you can also work with her one-on-one. I'll throw links to Jamie's website, her women's courses, her Facebook and Instagram in the description. She also offers retreats and has an upcoming group course that only has three slots available. And obviously she is in high demand and a very talented human being in terms of working in this space. So if you'd like to get in contact with her and you'd like to work with her in any capacity or just ask questions, uh, shoot her a DM on Instagram is what she's told me. And she's working on a new site that will be launched shortly. That will be sort of a a better gateway into the new stuff she has, she has going on. So I just want to say thank you to Jamie Elizabeth Thompson for coming on the show, sharing her wisdom with us. And without further ado, here we go. Well, Jamie, thanks so much for coming on the show today. I, I have like really wanted to get someone on the show to talk specifically sex, sexuality, intimacy um, for a while now and been looking for the right person. And your profile on Instagram came up to me by a handful of friends that follow you. And they were like, you got to get Jamie on the show. Like she's putting out brilliant content. And so I reached out to you and you agreed to come on. So thank you so much for for coming on. And I think to start um, with, with most guests, we just love to hear like about your background. Like how did you get into to the work you're doing? You know, where did you come from in this realm of like getting to what you do for a living now? And then maybe just give us a bit of a background of what you do with clients on like a day-to-day basis nowadays. Yes, absolutely. Thank you for having me on Nico. And um, yeah, so my background starts in a very traditional Christian upbringing. And that coupled with being a young child who just had a ton of energy and was already very connected to my sexuality and very curious as many young children are. And it created a disconnect in my mind-body system of this connection that I felt to my experience of God and spirituality, because I had that from the Christian upbringing, but also had this connection to my body as this connection to God. And so it was a little confusing as as a child, as it is for many of us, when you're told that something is wrong or bad, but yet that thing is so natural and innocent and just feels so good. So that was where the initial root of what I do began. And then as I grew up, I I ended up having a life coach when I was 17 because I was very rebellious and getting in trouble. And my mom sent me to a life coach, which was great. You know, it's a little, a little glitch in the matrix that I ended up there. And this woman completely changed my life through asking me questions and supporting me with redirecting all of that energy that I had from being destructive and self-sabotage into using my energy, which I now see as my sexual creative life force for generative life-giving creation. And that brought me into like being very clear from a a really young age, about 15 years ago, I was like, I'm going to be a life coach before everyone was a life coach, you know, now, now it's, it's very common, but I had such a profound shift in, in my life from, from, uh, this experience that I, um, that it became, you know, my, my passion. So I began studying many different modalities from um, beginning in ontology and NLP and hypnotherapy and kind of starting from a more alternative cognitive route to diving into uh, far more alternative modalities and really studying the mystic path 
and being a part of a mystery school for eight years. Some people are even like, what's a mystery school? You know, so we can get into that. Um, and working with, uh, sacred sexuality, such as uh, the Taoist approach to sexuality, the tantric approach, and then really diving into, um, temple arts training and working with, um, Egyptian lineages and lineages of the goddess and the different ways that sexuality and the body and the feminine were once revered as a powerful a powerful portal to potential and and to a real ownership of our power so through my own study and practice i discovered the potency and efficacy of the our erotic channel becoming the foundation and base of our power, our creativity, our integrated life force, our ability for connection and intimacy. And so in working with clients, I, you know, work with couples and I also have a a platform called Awakened Woman where I work with women specifically in groups to reclaim and reconnect with our sacred erotic life force as our power. And so it's been, the, the journey has taken many different uh, twists and turns and it always comes back to our erotic energy as our life force and, and how can we more fully embrace that outside of the puritanical uh, conditioning that I know very well because I grew up in it. So that's one of the pieces I really uh, work with is, is, you know, on one side of the spectrum is this full like media driven, porn driven sexual liberation idea, which is just mm. really about, um, being what I would call uncontained in your energy, like liberation as a lack of containment, as just like, you're just spraying your life force. You're just leaking all over the place. And then the puritanical option, which is like, oh, it's repressed and it's shut down. And, you know, it's, potentially the source of all evil, you know, and, or, or it's, or it's, um, something to, you know, something that's dangerous or gross, or, you know, there's all these different kind of, um, systems of programming. Mm -hmm. And it's like, what is it to actually find our own personal, deeply intimate connection with our erotic life force as our power? I I find it so interesting because I feel like as humans, we're, we're either on you know, one end of this, of a very sort of polar spectrum, usually, you know, and I, and I hear what you're saying is like part of your path and how, how you coach people is to help them find naturally or intimately where they lie on that spectrum in terms of their truth and their, their inner sort of, um, intimacy needs and wants. But I can certainly relate because I was raised like stark Roman Catholic growing up in a Hispanic family. And, uh, you know, although my family is very open, very loving, like rarely did we ever talk about sex, you know, or sexuality or intimacy. Um, and I think is like my generation, the millennial generation, my family got older and, you know, there were, there were uh, cousins of my generation that, um, were, were gay or homosexual or, you know, bisexual. It, it just like, it opened up more of the conversation. So I feel like my generation, my family was, was more prone to having conversations. But when I was a kid, it was like, no one was talking about sexual intimacy. It was always, you know, your sort of base level, like kind of, um, shunned guilt of like, we just don't talk about that. You know, like you have like one, like sex ed course in a couple classes in high school or, or, um, middle school. And it's, you know, I, I can't speak for other countries, but at least in the U S it seems, um, like it's such an afterthought and, and people like yourself, it's obviously becoming more normalized now to, to speak up and to talk about it and to be open, which I, I think is beautiful and, and lovely. But you brought up, uh, you brought up porn and what you just said. And that was one of the sort of, um, topics that you and I wanted to talk about. We spoke on the phone. It's like a pre-interview before this. And I would love for you to speak on like, you know, porn is such a, uh, piece of our society now, right? It's a form of, of media that a lot of people consume and it's really shaped a lot of, uh, the sort of, um, 
I would say like psyche of sexuality and sex and intimacy for I'd say a lot of young men that experience it at a young age. I mean, even speaking for myself and I'm curious, like I know we we talked about this offline, but as far as health goes, like how do you think porn's influence and we can talk about the differences within sexes too, but porn's influence uh, our relationship with, with sex and sexuality and intimacy as a culture in, in the West? Like, do you think it's ultimately been healthy or unhealthy or is there some nuance in the middle? Lo- love this question. I love that we're just going right in, Nico. This is, I love <laughs> we this. We got an hour, it. so we got to get it. James. I love it. Let's go right <laughs> into porn. Um, so to open the conversation of porn, I want to start with looking at you said it's become the, the sexual psyche. And so when we look at this from the lens of Jungian psychology and how shadow works, there's, if something is repressed for, uh, and, and considered taboo, considered wrong, you know, put, put in, put in the corner as something bad that nobody should look at. Everybody's like, I want to know what that bad thing in the corner is that no one should look at. It's just fascinating. And everyone mm-hmm. becomes obsessed with the thing that's taboo. And this is what we have seen with the sexual psyche of porn becoming this sort of um, overarching grotesque shadow that keeps growing in its um, in its intensity and its violence and mm. Um, it's distortion. So the, the, the shame that is associated with, with porn is, is simply a, and porn itself is a symptom of a society that is not connected to the power and sacredness of sexual life force. So to return to health and balance and, and wellness, as you said, there's a, the, the reconciliation is to come back into the, the deep honoring of what this life force actually is. Because, you know, porn is, um, ends up being a, a spilling and a leaking of life force. So I don't add more shame to it by telling people that it's shameful to watch porn and you should not watch porn. Um, I do, however, offer a full spectrum, holistic, erotic education that provides sexual experiences and connection and intimacy that is so much more vast than the little tiny fast food, you know, climax that you experience from porn. Right. It's like when you open up to the, the, the gourmet seven course meal, you know, multidimensional seven course meal that, that sex can actually be porn becomes not that interesting anymore. So I feel that the solution and the way to um, bring people back into a, uh, a state of naturalness and, and health and curiosity with sexuality is by, offering practices to reconnect with their own energy and life force and how to communicate with their partners. I mean, as far as um, the way that it has been detrimental, I see in um, couples that I work with that there's, there's often relationships where there's no sex happening in the marriage or very little sex happening in the marriage or erectile dysfunction happening in the marriage or low libido on the feminine side and, and there's porn addiction. And I, those two things are connected because I've seen time and time again, and there are many studies on this that when men stop watching porn, that their experience of pleasure and turn on widens. Because porn is like a fire hose of, of a neuro cocktail. You know, um, in, uh, neurobiology, it's, it's, it's fascinating to actually break down what is happening in 
the brain when you're watching mm-hmm. porn. And it's, it's just, there's so there's a rush of, of so many chemicals that are creating a, um, an addictive experience. So, so people get addicted to that and, and then, and then they are not turned on by anything that isn't, you know, fast, hard, intense, and they need increasing levels of intensity. So that brings in violence and in order to experience the same turn on much like we see with drug addiction. And I was just going to bring that up. That's Mm -hmm. exactly what it relates to because I've I've read a lot of fMRI studies on it as well, too. And it's almost like you're taking a bunch of MDMA and becoming addicted to this dopamine release so that every time you need either more of the substance or more grotesque, whatever, or, you know, you can't really get it from a normal situation. So I feel like a lot of things I've read that people that will serve, for instance, have intercourse on, you know, some kind of upper drug and they do this repeatedly. A lot of times when they're not on the drug, won't have the same, same, same sensation or ejaculation when they're not like ingesting that drug. And it's the same thing with like our monkey mind watching this thing on the screen and sort of using it to avoid or to hide from whatever repressed thing. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it becomes a, um, often there's shame associated with mm-hmm. this and, and that's, and that's like almost, it's like what, what we're speaking of is, is one, is, is one part of the problem and right. a, an equally large part of the problem is, is the shame that's associated with it. Most and, definitely. um, and, and that then, you know, shame needs judgment and secrecy to grow. Brene Brown says, and I, I just love that mm. quote because, you know, porn is, is so in the shadow and often not spoken about and, um, and just becomes this like secret dark thing that is, is not really, um, having the space to, you know, to, to move through. And, you know, I, I find that one of the, um, the, the reconnections that I see happen with, both men and women in, in sexuality of like coming out of a very, uh, porn based performative kind of sexuality, which a lot of men and women both have where it's, it's about the performance. It's not about the experience. It's not about the connection. It's, it's a, it's, it's about like looking at sexuality from the outside in and objectifying it instead of experiencing it from the depth of the inside out. And when people come out of performative sexuality, which is really what's, you know, driven by um, media and porn and into an experience based sexuality, that's when they really start experiencing these more profound life changing DMT drop kind of orgasms for women and like the profound experience of really sharing in a cosmic transcendent and also embodied experience that is like one of the most profound accesses to spirituality that we actually have on, on this planet. Like this is one of the most profound ways that we, you know, people, people meditate and, and, you know, people do yoga and there's all these different ways to connect with spirituality. Like sex is another one of those ways. Mm. And, and when people experience that, um, and they, and they experience the more cosmic, you know, transcendent spiritual aspects of, of sexuality, the, the, the performance-based sex just becomes not interesting anymore. And one yeah, of the, I, I, mm-hmm. sorry, go ahead. I don't interrupt you. One of the way, one of the ways to, uh, to, to the bridge between those things. Mm-hmm. It's like, people are often like, I, I can hear the listeners, you know, like, well, how do I get from performance-based sex into, you know, cosmic transcendent, multi-orgasmic, multi-dimensional DMT download kind of sex. And, yep. um, the, the bridge is cultivating the senses of, uh, your, attention and your sensitivity. So the faculties of attention and sensitivity of, of your ability to keep your attention present in your body and with your partner and not on, you know, the to-do list, you know, the sock that's on the floor, taking the kids to school tomorrow, 
you know, or, mm. you know, the, the, the porn that you watched yesterday, or, you know, it's like actually keeping it present in, in your body and with your partner in the connection. And then sensitivity is, is the practice of rewiring a lot of that. Like everything needs to be hard and fast and intense in order to be immensely pleasurable. And, and so in actually embracing the entire body as one big erogenous zone, the, the whole body as like every cell can be turned on instead of just this very genital focused, um, kind of, uh, you know, I, I call it fast food sexuality. It's like all about the, you know, the quick fix and the quick climax where there's, you know, in, in these deeper states of, of orgasm for both men and women, there's the kind of pleasure and the kind of opening mm. to all of life and to each other that stays around for days after. Like, it's like, it's, it's like right. a full upgrade. And so I, you know, just like working with sensitivity and attention are, are two simple ways that people can start. Yeah, I, I really want to get into that. What, what I hear you saying, Jamie, is like there's almost a sense of uh, this bio, like if we have two sides, you have this bio, biological side that's sort of unavoidable, but then this metaphysical side. And in between, we have this like consciousness because that's, you know, as humans, we, we have sex for pleasure and for higher states of being, unlike other animals where their sole purpose is just to reproduce, right? Um, and so I feel like, you know, in between this biological reproductive mechanism we all have inside of us and then this metaphysical side, we have this sort of sense of soul and spirit that is, if you will, sort of the way we can use sex and sexuality to, you know, become fuller human beings or fuller souls, right? Um, but I, I'm curious in when, when we talk about sort of porn use specifically, do you think men and women experience that shame of porn use differently? Because um, I've spoken to many men that I'm close with, they're very open and uh, a handful of them, you know, if they have sort of a porn addiction, if you will, um, they, they almost like a lot of times have to think of like a scene of a porn scene to even like ejaculate when they're with their partner. And these are men that like super intimate, love their partner, but it's, they're, they're still, they all admit like this is like path of addiction and avoidance where, you know, they, they'd have to stop using for, you know, one to two to three months to feel able to be like connected again, like it presence where we're talking about presence. Right. So it's almost like because you're using porn so much, um, your your it's it kind of limits your ability to be present in a sexual experience with someone you love or someone you're intimate with because you have this like piece of your mind that needs that scene or that scenario to really like let loose in a way and i'm curious like do you think men and women experience that differently because i like like is the shame in society the same for for a female that uses porn versus a a man as because i'm i'm curious what you think about that i love i love what you said about that and and, and how, you know, men are starting to be honest about this. And it's like, they, they love, it doesn't mean that you don't love your partner, right? It means that you have something else that is, that, that it's, it's an addiction that's taken over. And it's, it just means that there's a neuropathway that has been deeply grooved that is, you know, to ejaculate must be connected to this particular scene. Right. And, um, and, and women can have something similar, you know, I mean, porn, porn use in women is much less. Um, so for, for women, I, I feel the big shame shadow actually comes more from the, I, you know, something that I refer to that Sigmund Freud coined the Madonna whore complex and the Madonna whore complex is a, a great divide within the feminine and um it's that that one or the way that this plays out in in the feminine is that one it, it's like in order to be uh a good wholesome chosen sought after woman who is loved and belongs in society there's there's a level of one's own power and sexuality that a woman must shut down in order to obey and fit into 
society. And, and so most women, you know, go into more of the, the, the good wife side of the category, right? The Madonna mm-hmm. and the, 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 the whores, you know, and I say this, this term because it's, you know, the, um, it, it's, it's a little, it's a little edgy because that's what it is to actually own your sexual power as a woman is there's this, there's this, uh, finger pointed at you that, you know, you're, you're, you're dangerous. You're a whore. You know, there's, um, you're, you're not worthy. You're not allowed to, you know, be a part of society and, and, you know, feminine sexuality that is expressed happen in this way happens in strip clubs and porn. And those women are seen as, um, less than, right. Than, than, than the good women who have families and careers, right? So there, there's this divide that happens. Well, it, in inside of that divide, um, where if if you are on where m- most women are, I mean, about eighty percent of of women in you know my estimation, this isn't a a, a a proven statistic, but from what I see in just tracking the patterns and energetics in women, eighty percent are on the good girl side, the good wife side. And, and this means that there's a, there's a level of repression and potentially shame that exists in their sexuality. Mm. And, and it's just simply in being sexual beings and being, right. and, and being expressed and having pleasure and asking for what they want. Right. Having a sex drive, even like not shaming that you have like a hyper sex drive, right? I think I've been one that's been outspoken about like I have a hyper sex drive and I've like spoken with it to friends, you know, it's like, but when I was younger, it was like, I just didn't talk about it because I felt like it was just so taboo or weird, you know, you just didn't really bring it up. And now it's like, no, I, I enjoy sharing because it's like, you know, I mean, it's inviting someone else to share their experience to it if they want to. But what you just said is a great segue into sort of our second part that we chatted about, which is finding your true desires, which I imagine relates to attention um, and sort of presence as well, too, because I think what you're saying is for a lot of women that shame comes from the disalignment from their true desires versus what they're trying to be in society or in a relationship, because what's viewed upon as healthy or being, you know, whatever, you know, (laughs) queen mentality, you know. Um, And so I'm curious on you know, let's get into how do we find our, our true desires and we can focus on women or we can talk about women and men, whatever, uh, whichever direction you want to go. But I'm really curious on like, you know, where do we start with that? What questions do we ask ourselves? What do we have to look into? You know, where, where do we look inside ourselves to find our true desires? Yeah. I love, I love this, this question and this segue because it it is, this is, this is the epidemic of obedience culture for both mm-hmm. men and women. And it, it's just particularly in women with sexuality. Like there, there's, there's been a, um, a, a shaming of their desire or there's been a, uh, the mentality that, that your pleasure exists for your partner and that, that your pleasure, it, it doesn't matter. And it's actually about him. And so many women end up in this in this place where they're very disconnected from their actual desire and turn on because they're faking orgasms or they are trying to find their desire from the outside in. Um, they they feel like their their desire should be uh, something that they've seen before rather than something that's actually just emerging in their body in the moment. So the the most effective way that i've seen to come back into relationship with your desires to get in your body and this is something where many women are in their head and men as well and this is what you know part of our our culture is just very cognitive based and there's a disconnection from the body and the body is where your turn on lives it's where your libido lives and, um, so the connection between your, your mind and your body, and when that energy is, is really flowing, uh, your, your desire and your turn on is, is a, an emergent phenomenon that like, if, 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 if we were to just sit here right now and like go into our bodies and, and, and look and see like, 
what do I desire right now? And, and just take off the limitation of, of, of what labels or what we think we, we could tune in and be like, you know, five things. Well, you know, I desire a piece of watermelon. I desire a warm bath. I desire someone to grab this place, like right in the back of my neck. I desire to be in the sunshine. I desire some new shoes, right? Like it's like I could just go into an entire free flow of desire and come back into connection with something that I just simply call your desire nature. Because as, as being, as, as humans, and especially as women, I mean, this is a big part of the feminine polarity is the, the, the desire itself. And we have this idea in our culture that says, if I desire it, I must make it happen. So there's all this like fear and distortion around actually just feeling our desire because we feel like, oh, if I desire that really dark, kinky thing, then it means that I'm going to make it happen and I'm going to ruin my family and my life. And it's like there's this kind of idea of desire as being the root of all evil, which has puritanical roots. But people don't even realize that, like people that are not um, religious in any sense are still at the effect of the puritanical roots of your desire is bad. You know, your desire is dangerous. And so to come back into desire as innocent is one of the ways of really reclaiming it, like finding the curiosity that we once had as children about just desire. It's like, you're just in your desire nature. You're just present. And when you encounter a woman that is connected to her desire, it's, it's the most magnetic force on the planet. I mean, this is where everything is running from. And so for women to really get that, this is where their, um, this is their attractor field. This is their, and this is also the nectar that they drink that is life-giving. Like even just, you know, connecting with these random desires in the moment that I just did, it's like, there's, there's like a life that's present. It's, it's, it's life arising. So I, I say that, you know, to reconnect with desire, just to recap a couple of things is getting back in touch with your body and the, the, the connection living from within your body experientially, sensually as, as like just listening to your body as a channel again, um, which everyone knew how to do at one point in life. So this isn't, this is a remembering and, and more, more of an unlearning than it is a learning, right? There's a lot of cognitive mm-hmm. learning that we've done that, it, that actually is wonderful and it can get in the way of coming back into our body because everyone's trying to figure it out, right? Whereas being in your body is actually just quite natural. And we can talk a little more about right. that. But then the other piece is finding the innocence and curiosity of desire again as like, there's nothing wrong with it, but actually like rather bringing that, that childlike play and curiosity to like, Ooh, what do I desire? Like sexually or not just like being in that connection with your turn on. Do you think that this is uh, like we, we have gone backwards some pl- somewhere in human history and society, we were more open about these things or that right now we're having sort of a novel paradigm shift with people, you know, re- relearning and, and sort of like, do you, do you think it we've, we've sort of, we were, we were kind of ahead of the time somewhere. We went back down with like, you know, some sort of dogma and then we're, we're coming back now or are we kind of experiencing some novel sort of, you know, <laughs> human soul work, if you will, in terms of sex and sexuality? I love, I love this question. I, so pre industrial, pre agricultural, there, there was the, the goddess worshiping and, and it was a completely different way of living where there, there was no ownership. And with the bringing about the, the, idea that things needed to be owned and controlled in a particular way was the uh, the leaving behind of this kind of connection to desire. 
and and to to just our sexuality as 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 life force right and then that became you know there there's many different systems of control and uh and of uh domination and, and power that have come about that have a vested interest in people not being connected to this very powerful force and you know so it's one way of 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 looking at it right is is there's it's like if people are not connected like if you look from the religious perspective um if people are not connected to their sexuality and they think they need to go through the church in order to access their spirituality you have people who are disempowered and dependent um, and, 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 and living in shame. So there's, you know, it, it's like, so as we started to see, uh, religious institution take over a more tribal mentality, um, things started to shift into this, uh, this perspective on, on sexuality that, it, that it's like dangerous and must be controlled. And I, I think like to like ground this part of the conversation, it's like, people listening really start to just look at like, where did this belief system come from? Is it mine? Did I choose it? Cause if I didn't write the belief system that's operating around sexuality or anything for that matter, then someone else did. And it might be my parents. It might be, you know, my culture growing up. It might be the greater culture at large. But if we just begin to look at like, well, why does it seem dangerous? Why does it seem gross? You know, why does it seem shameful? Why do I resist it? And actually look at like, was that a choice or is that something that's been passed down through, um, you know, this, this epidemic of control and domination of, of people's life force that's taken place. I love it, Jamie. So what we we could get into finding your desires more if, if you feel like that's appropriate but from there it sort of seems like let's say we've done a lot of work we've you know we've, we've found some desires within ourselves we've, we're coming from a more grounded place of sexuality sex intimacy sort of the third part we talked about speaking which is I, I feel like such a huge part and so many people are curious about this is maintaining intimacy and sexual desire in a long-term relationship which almost to me comes from when you're grounded and, you know, under, uh, like, you know, have a deep understanding of your own desires, then you have to be able to communicate those with a partner and then share in that sort of learning communicative process in, you know, keeping sexual intimacy alive. So I'm, I'm you can lead the conversation this way if you want to give some pointers around finding your true desires or if we just segue into maintaining intimacy in a long term relationship. But um, yeah, I'd love to get into that as well, too. Yes, communication. It all comes down to communication. And um and this is the way that, you know, whether you are dating and wanting to enter into a long-term relationship or you have been in a long-term relationship, communication is the bridge between your desire and it manifesting in reality. Period. So learning how to communicate effectively in a way that occurs as an opportunity for your partner and and reveals the the transparency of what you actually want is is how intimacy is developed like this is where real intimacy is developed and there are many um you know couples and just women that I work with who have also been in long-term relationships that have forgotten how to communicate period like like it it just the 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 art of speaking up about things that are deeply vulnerable and intimate and and sensitive is is, is a lost art in in mm. in our culture there's not a there's not a lot of training unless you seek it out of how to communicate effectively and so so people end up um, waiting until things are a really big problem to, to start talking about it instead of talking about it early on. And from the beginning, I mean, uh, you know, for me, um, you know, with my, my current partner, it's like, I, I bring up 
sex and sexual desire on the second date. (laughs) I mean, like I'm like immediately right in there of like, let's talk about this because it's such an important part of connection. And, and I cannot tell you how many relationships I've seen where people end up, um, you know, five or 10 years into a marriage and they've never had an open, honest conversation about the things that they desire and the things that feel good. And even like, Hey, that thing that you do every single time we have sex, I don't like that. <laughs> like people aren't saying that. And so it keeps happening. And then it just develops this resentment. And then she's like, Oh, whatever. I guess I'm just never going to orgasm because like, he just always does this thing and Oh, well, you know, we love each other and they start to make excuses. Right. And, um, and the, the, the solution in the pathway is, is opening up, a a conversation and I can hear people, you know, well, how, how do I do that? Or I've done that and it didn't work. And, you know, I can hear that happening in the field as people are listening. And, um, what I always say to this is no matter how many times you think you've done it, do it again until the point gets across. Like this is a conversation that you have over and over in different ways and continue to get more creative and or seek out help from someone who can support you in in the process until it works. Because otherwise you're just living in this uh, in this experience of aversion with your partner. Right. Because it creates this like aversion of like, oh, I really don't like it when they do this thing. And it's uh, and, and it's like and then the sex isn't that great. And then you're not connected on that level. And it, it really spills over into many other relationship problems and, and causes fights and divorces and all kinds of things. And often the solution is simply communication. Most definitely. I, I would even say a lot of times it, it's the root of some infidelity as well, too, because after five, 10 years of being with the same partner, you know, like anything, you do it over and over again. It can be the best thing in the world. But, you know, even if it's like, let's say your favorite flavor of ice cream, right? You eat the same ice cream for five years in a row and you don't do anything differently, you're probably going to get a little tired of it. It doesn't mean you don't <laughs> still love this flavor, right? And I know I'm, I'm, I'm dumbing down human connection to ice cream flavors, but I guess the point is you have to actively and consciously practice honing sexual intimacy and building sexual intimacy through healthy communication and both people have to engage in this and I'm curious you sort of brought up you know if if one partner keeps bringing up or trying to communicate but the other one's simply not hearing or not listening is there a circumstance where you know like there's nothing else someone can do or is it really reliant on that person to just keep trying different modes of communication and try to connect with this person if they want the relationship to continue that's a that's a question that is specific to each person and dependent upon their values, right? Is, is like some people, um, you know, having a, having a great sex life is a very high value and some other people it's not. So can a relationship work with mediocre sex? Sure. I mean, I've, I've seen, I've seen, I've seen it work with people. Um, the, the people that I, tend to work with and the people that I speak to in, in when I'm sharing about this are those who are like, this must work. Like this is, this is a, this is a a very high value and, and we must have this or our relationship isn't going to work. Right. Cause they see their sex life as one of the foundational principles of a healthy, well-functioning, deeply, intimately connected partnership. And, um, and, and, you know, I work with a lot of people who are, you know, entrepreneurs and business owners and, you know, just like impact driven in life. And they see their sexuality as the dojo for the manifestation of everything else that they want in their life. Like their, their sex life becomes a ritual. And that's one of the pieces that I really bring into this is, is if, if you're, erotic experience together can become a ritual. It can be the greatest personal development tool that no one ever taught you how to use. It's, it's really, it's, it's an opportunity to work through 
your, um, you know, your, your vulnerabilities and your shadows and the, the, the aspects of yourself that you want to bring through more. If, if you are bringing that kind of intentionality into your erotic life, then there's, it's, 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 it's an alchemy. So, so, so sex is alchemy, right? And, and in sexual alchemy, magic happens. Like this is, this is just purely where magic happens. And, and when, when there's a, like just a knowing and an approach or even a curiosity and interest in, in, in making that possible, the question of can a relationship survive if one person just isn't getting the communication of the other one kind of becomes irrelevant, yeah. right? Like it's, it's, it's just like, it's like we are in the discovery of what's possible together intimately. Brilliant. Let's talk about how we maintain sexual intimacy yes. and long-term relationship. Let's, let's, let's bring up some points or some ideas or some, you know, uh, just maybe some things that you offer some clients and, you know, where to start. If, if let's say two people are showing up, they want to connect, uh, they've been together, let's say over five years and they're, and they're reaching a state of sort of monotony with their sex life, right? Where, where do we start? And this is in a relationship, but I do want to get back to singlehood too, because that's also equally important, but let's talk about the relationship first. Yes. I love this question. So I've gotten this question so many times over the last decade that I created something that I call the erotic menu. And the erotic menu is contains all of the potential uh, categories of desire that one might have and that one might want to dip into in order to create recipes for a gourmet sex life for the rest of their life. And, um, the, the, the categories are the taboo, the, the cosmic, the primal and the romantic. And so inside of each of these, and if people want to dive into this, it, it's on my website and, and they can look it up. So it's a, it's a mapping system to give yourself more creativity and curiosity around different things that could turn you on that you might have never thought of. So it's kind of like discovering what your love language is, but for eroticism. And when you learn what your natural, your native tongue is, what your natural erotic language is, then you can expand upon that. But you can also learn new languages. And that makes life really interesting to discover a whole different um, part of your range that you didn't know existed. So the, the cure for monotony in long-term relationship is the continued willingness to explore what has not been explored yet. And, and often this also it brings people into the shadow, into their own shadow. So this is where like kind of the long-term um, evolutionary based sexuality brings people into this experience because we always have a shadow. So when we learn how to bring our shadow into our erotic life in a way that is, is interesting and forwarding our own evolution, deepening the, the intimacy between us and our partner, there's there's this like fascination that, that continues to occur and, and be able to, uh, bring more life into the relationship. So I'll give an example to kind of ground this a little bit. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll share a personal example here. So, so one fascination that, uh, and, and kind of like a, like a, ooh, like a little shadow that I had was, uh, in this deep desire that I had to surrender. So many women who have, uh, who are business owners or CEOs or just really running their life hold a lot of masculine energy and which is wonderful to be a fully balanced, actualized human being. We, we have, uh, 
hundred percent of both masculine and feminine. Like, I don't feel like it's like, oh, you need to, you know, try to dumb down all that you are. No, it's raise up the part that is actually um, not yeah. operating in its fullness. And, and for that. me, that was my, my feminine surrender. Like I was super in my power, um, you know, connected to my, um, really connected to my life force for a lot of my life. And then a few years ago, I had this awareness that I was like, I really want to submit. Like, I want to be dominated. I want to surrender. I even have this like rape fantasy. You know, there's these like this experience that my primal body really wanted to have of being taken and being ravished. And I hadn't let myself fully have that. And it felt edgy, you know, cause I would be completely out of control. Mm-hmm. Right. And there's, and there's something that is, that is equally um, terrifying and exciting about that for the feminine. And so in like de- sharing this with my long-term partner, it, it became like, oh, okay, that's a part of our ritual. That's what we're going to start working with and meeting in the alchemical erotic dojo together. And so we started working with this energy and the, it taught me how to receive deeper. Like it, it opened my system to allowing more in like it was like i was i was more resourced more energized in everyday life um i i it's like people people started uh wanting to work with me more people started uh tracking me down like i was it was like there was some part of me that had been like controlling and trying and like managing my life that relaxed and opened and I became more receptive and things started naturally flowing in. And I was like, this is, this is a, this is a, this is the code. This is the alchemy Mm. of, of sexuality where you can take on something that's like, wow, this is a desire. And it actually opens you into this part of yourself that like, how could this not be a part of me? Like I look back and I'm like, how was I, how was I, that controlling before, you know, and, 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 and it was really a detriment to the potentiality of my human capacity. Yeah. It almost makes sense. Like, you know, when you're, you're sort of denying this part of yourself and then you realign with it, um, that openness almost creates a safer space for that to even happen or to occur. Right. Which is, I think pretty profound because I think that exists in, all aspects of our life, not just sexuality and sex, but I think that's a pretty profound sort of discovery. Um, so thanks for sharing that, Jamie. That's incredible. I, I will follow up with a question uh, around sort of singlehood and dating, right? So we kind of talked about bits of how to maintain sexual intimacy in a long-term relationship, but I think a lot of people that are single, curious on how to find someone that, you know, sexually aligns with you um, or is it something that you build together? Like you can kind of be compatible with anybody or is it, is it something we should be talking about on the first or second date? Um, I always go back to my, my main man, Alain de Botton, who founded the school of life. And he talks a lot about sexual intimacy too. But from his opinion, he's like, we should get everything on the table as soon as possible. You know, like what are your kinks? What are you into? You know, I'm, I'm in agreement with that, but I'd love your, your take on this. Um, you know, how do we bring it up in the dating scene? Like what date should we start talking? talking about this on is this something where we're like first date put it on your you know dating profiles like how do we navigate this in in you know 2021 dating culture i love this question and i want to i want to uh zoom out on it for a, a quick moment and bring in the the piece that must happen before we even find ourselves in front of the date right mm-hmm. and that is the reconnection and full approval of our own sexuality with ourself and, and finding uh, not like you need to, you need to find full approval before you can start dating, but, but to remember that a big part of being in a healthy relationship is first being in a healthy relationship with ourself. And so what is your relationship with your sexuality? Like, it's like, if you're going from, you know, uh, for, for women, it's often like having no pleasure practice or having no connection to their own pleasure or sensuality and then showing up in front of a man 
and expecting for him to turn them on. Right. And, it, and, and then, and then it's, and, and that creates this, uh, it's like, I, I, I talk about erotic sovereignty as to, to find your connection with your own sexuality where, where you are just like really turned on by yourself and, and by your own connection to life, nature, God, spirit, whatever, whatever universal intelligence, but, but you are, you are existing in a state of your system being on. I look at turn on as being far more full spectrum than just sexual. It's like, I live in a perpetual state of turn on. Like that mm-hmm. is the, that's what I'm going for, right? Like that's the, that's the, the, the baseline is, is learning how to be turned on by all of life and to just have the experience of life arising. Um, and, and like being, being a yes to that and, and being, being connected to that. So to develop that as a practice before or simultaneously as we are dating is really important. And for men, for men listening, you know, if you're going right from watching, you know, porn to, like going out on the date, it's like, it, there, it's like you're also creating this disconnect between actually truly being in connection with your body and with the feminine. Um, and so this is a big part of where a lot of people go to dating and they're in a fantasy. Women are in this fantasy that men are going to, you know, somehow like be the source of their turn on and rescue them. And men are in this fantasy that like, you know, this woman's going to just, you know, provide this like fire hose of, you know, neuro cocktail that they receive for, from watching porn and, and that she's going to be the, the, you know, the solution to all their problems. Right. And it's, it's so, so there's like, it's like, so you're showing up not clear and present. Mm-hmm. And, um, so really coming into a deep connection with your own sensuality and sexuality is, uh, a, a really a, a prerequisite, I feel, to dating in the way that I'm about to outline. So that's where you know I I work with a lot of women to to do this to actually come back into connection with their turn on as their source as their life force. So they're showing up full instead of showing up empty. And 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 when we show up empty, we create expectations right off the bat. And there's, and we're setting ourselves up for resentment, resentment and disappointment. Totally. Amen to that. So can we talk about, I, I love that by the way, sort of setting us, it's like the self work we have to do before we even enter this conscious dating realm. But now how do we go about communicating it? You know, which day, how early, yes. you know, like what, where, where does that play in with your philosophies? Yes. So, um, you know, my, my philosophy on this is, um, I mean, I, I believe that all rules are actually guidelines, so I don't I don't have any rules for people around this. Sure. Um, I will say that if sexuality and intimacy are a high value of yours, why wouldn't you talk about it immediately? You know, what else are you going to talk about? I mean, it, it's it, it's like I just don't. And, and some people are like, wow, that's you know, that's a lot or, you know, that's uncomfortable or mm-hmm. um or, you know, I don't know if I want to reveal that much. And, you know, and all of those uh, excuses are places where people hide out and and park their power. Right. It's like for for me to actually be in. Like I'm in, I'm in if I'm in integrity. Right. If I'm in integrity with my desire and and I know what I want and I'm really clear about that. And I'm not uh, in a place where I am willing to uh, sacrifice things that are important to me for connection. Then I'm going to share what is really relevant and important to me from the beginning, like the first opportunity that I that I get, you know, which is, you know, sometimes the you know, first or second time of meeting someone. Um, And it creates a incredible filtration system. So there's, you know, it's like if that blows someone out because I'm, you know, talking about sexuality right away, I'm really clear. Wow, that person doesn't have this as a high value. They don't have communication, transparency and sexuality as a high value, which means we won't be a good match. 
Brilliant. Um, yeah, I completely agree with all of that. That's uh, really interesting. Um, so, well, we we're pretty much out of hour, Jamie. I just want to give you an opportunity to tell people where to find you at. If you're accepting new coaching clients, you know, some resources you offer that people can tap into and how they ultimately connect with you. Yes, absolutely. Um, so there's, uh, there's always my social media. I post a lot of current um, content and videos on Instagram and Facebook. Um, so I imagine those links will be here, but my Instagram mm-hmm. is holistic sex coach and Facebook is slash miss Jamie Elizabeth. And then my website has a lot of content on it. I talked about the erotic menu. There's a quiz to discover, um, which of the menus you're craving most right now in life. And, um, and that's jamieelizabeththompson.com. And then my platform and community for women that has the women's groups and courses and retreats is awakenedwoman.life. So I am, and I'm actually currently, depending on when this comes out, uh, curating a very deep dive group for a group of 12 women who want to really dive into reconnecting with and reclaiming their power and sensuality and life force. Amazing. Well, I'm going to throw all the links to everything you just talked about in the description. That group, uh, when does it go live? Like when would people have the opportunity to register? When's the end date? So there, I I just have three spots left and it starts on uh, October 6th. So you know, as soon as those spots fill. So it's really just the, you know, someone, if someone hears this and they're like, wow, I I want to dive in and reach out to me on social media and we can talk more about it. Yeah. Amazing. Well, Jamie, thank you so much for coming on, sharing an hour with me, bringing your wisdom. And it's been lovely to talk to you and would love to have you back on um, in the future and, and break into this stuff even more in depth or go a different direction. But yeah, it's been brilliant. Thank you so much for sharing your time with me. Thanks for having me on, Nico. 